Welcome to Parallel Church. If you're joining us for the first time and, and feeling like you're, you're, you know, kind of the new, and we're all kind of new to Parallel Church. In fact, we're six weeks into the relaunch, rebrand of, of, of our church. And I get asked a lot of times, I'm sure you guys are getting asked this a lot too, um, you know, why, why rebrand? Like, why do we need, why a new name? Like, what's the deal? And we really felt that, that you know, the church doesn't have the greatest reputation and rightfully so. It, how, how Christianity has been represented, how church has been, um, it deserves, you know, some of the terrible reputation that it has. And, and that's part of religion, which, which is disgusting, and I'll get to that in, in a moment. But uh, religion is man's way of getting to God. It's man's systems of belief that we create a way to get to God. But I don't know. My Bible says that God came to us in, in Jesus. And Jesus is so much different than us trying to get to God and earn God's acceptance. Jesus came to us. And... And we, we followed, and I thought, we need to make a statement for ourselves as a church that, that we got we to gotta be different. And we got to make a statement to, the, to our communities as well that we need to be different, that the church needs to be different. So that's why we named our church Parallels, because while the world wants to divide and separate, we're going to choose to love and to come alongside. That's what it's all about. And to come alongside simply means we're going to come alongside each of our communities through my city care, and, and we're going to come alongside marriages, and, and we're going to come alongside mental health, and we're going to come alongside you and your businesses. We're going to come alongside your family. We're going to come alongside wherever. And, and the, the statement of that is, is we're not going to ask you to join us before we're going to love you. We're going to say, we're going to come alongside where you're at, where people are at. We're going to come alongside, and we're going to choose to do this. The reason why we, we, we want to do this is because, is because Jesus did. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, are you tired, worn out, burned out religion? Come with me. Walk with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Work with me. He invited us to walk with him. Not just behind him, but to walk with him, to come alongside. He came alongside. He came alongside everyone, regardless of background, regardless of, of you know, beliefs, regardless of of rightness or wrongness or Jew or Gentile or Roman or Israelite. Like it didn't matter. Jesus came alongside and ministered to all. And, and he said this to his, his followers. He wanted them to do the same thing. And this is what I felt like as a church. Now's the time for us to rebrand. Now's the time for us to rebrand just for ourselves. Now's the time to rebrand for communities to, to relaunch and to follow this one command. This is what our church, how are we going to come alongside? How are we going to be parallel? We're going to follow this one command. Jesus said this in John 13, 34. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, Jesus said, this is a new command. This is not an additional command to the Ten Commandments, or by the time Jesus came along, there was 612 commandments that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious Judaism uh, uh, teachers of the day, th that they expected the Israelites to live by. In 612, can you imagine? 612 things you have to do in order to earn their acceptance, and in order, in their words, in order to earn God's acceptance. Man, I'm having a tough enough time just walking by the 10. Never mind 612. 
And yet, and Jesus came along and said, a new command I give you. And they didn't roll their eyes and going, oh no, 613. They understood 612. They understood that this, this, that the 612 were being wiped out by this one command. And Jesus said this, love one another, which they could have said, well, what do you mean? What, shouldn't we love God? And Jesus says, no, listen, just get this one right. Love one another, and which would be, uh, we, we could say, well, we can say, well, I love, I, I love everybody. Uh, you know, I love that. But we, because we use the word love so flippantly, don't we? We say things like, I love pizza. And then we say, I love my wife. And those two things aren't the same thing. And just because somebody asked me in the first service, could you clarify which one you like more? I was, yeah, definitely. They asked me that. Can you believe I was like, not even a contest. Like, like. When I say I love my wife, that's different than saying I love pizza. Like, that, that's a big difference. But yet we so flippantly use love, and it'd be easy to say, well, we can, it's, I do love everybody. Except Jesus added this caveat to it. As I have loved you. Which, now that's, that's next level, because Jesus loved the unlovable. Jesus walked alongside those that he had no business walking with as a Jewish rabbi. He came alongside the tax collectors who were the outcasts. He came alongside the prostitutes and the sinners. He came alongside lepers. He came alongside Roman centurions and healed their, their daughters, their servants. I mean, think about this. These are Roman centurions who are the enemy, whom the Messiah, by the way, was supposed to overthrow Rome. He came alongside Roman centurions who were probably that day making instructions of killing Jewish people and or beating Jewish people or arresting people. That was their job every single day. He came alongside and healed a Roman centurion's daughter and a Roman centurion's servant. Two different times. Came alongside the enemy. I mean, that's... Talk about crossing lines voting-wise. Like, I mean... Jesus crossed lines all the way. Like it shouldn't, he shouldn't have done it. He had no, he had no barriers to whom he would minister to. And he loved all. And then he tells us, as you've seen me love, you should too. He loved a thief on the cross who deservedly was dying and being crucified beside him and loved him and didn't, didn't ask him theology questions, didn't ask him, you know, didn't lead him through a whole bunch of stuff, just said, hey, and he saw his belief and said, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. And to this day, to this day, I have theological questions from people saying, do you think the thief on the cross was really saved? Come on. Jesus said it, yes. And then he tells us to love. like he loved. And then he goes on, he says this, look at this, the next verse. It says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know. By this, everyone will know. By this, everyone will know. Not by your theological correctness and whether you believe in the right form of baptism or the right form of communion or the right form, right form of headdress or not headdress or dress or not dress, like the right form of, of all these kind of stuff. He says, by this, it's not by how you dress, it's not by how you act, it's not by what you say, it's not by which church you attend, it's not by any of that, that you will know that you belong to me. It's by loving your love of one another, everyone will know that you're with me. I mean, by this, everyone will know that you are belong to me or my disciples if you love one another. 
Three times in that sentence, he says, love one another, love one another, love one another. As I have loved. What if we as a church could major in that? And that's what this dream is all about. That's what Parallel Church is all about. That's what our relaunch is all about. Is that I think as, as for me as a pastor, as a Christian, I've majored in some minors and I've minored in this major. And I felt like I need to make a shift. And that we as a church need to make a shift. That the reputation of Christianity, the reputation of the church in this world has been, has been twisted and, and, and turned and all the rest of it. And we are still arguing in, our, in churches and amongst our, you know, different churches and communities. And we're arguing based on what form of baptism we use and what form of theology we use and what, form, what version of the Bible we read. And we argue over all these things. And, the major, and we major in those things. And we divide denominations based based on those things, but, but this thing, this thing, we minor in loving one another. And I'm thinking, what if we could change that? What if this became our major? What if we could change the world, don't you think? No? Help me online. Welcome to you guys. Just say amen in the chat, because this room got really quiet all of a sudden. Come on. Parallel church, we're about loving one another. And we're, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? We're going to make lots of mistakes. We're not going to get it right. We're, it's going to be difficult. Loving one another is going to be easy. <laughs> Some people are easy to love. Others? Eh. Nobody's ever met those people. <laughs> well, it's not going to be easy. But we're on a mission to love one another as Jesus loved, to follow his lead. Now, now watch. John, who wrote this, and this, this new command, and he's the disciple who wrote, Jesus said this and made a big deal of it. John wrote a number of other books decades and decades later. And he's writing these other books to the early church. And it's interesting, in all of John's writing, he doubles down and re, you know, reinforces this, this one command. And not only John, but Paul, the apostle, every one of his letters to the early church, he doubled down and he said this over and over and over and over again and enforced this. This is what the early church did. And James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, doubled down on this. And, and, and all, of the early, all of the early church writers and leaders, this was what the early church was known for, is loving one another, extraordinarily loving one another. In a time of great divisiveness, the church was, was, was unified together and loving and expressing this. And John, in his letter in 1 John chapter 2, he, he kind of he digs into this a little bit more about kind of kind of the practical elements of loving one another. Look at this. He says in in, in chapter two and I'm starting verse three. He says, "We know that we have come to know him if we him being Jesus if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person." Now I've heard this verse said over many times that, okay, see, this is this, you got to keep all of Jesus's commands. You got to keep all of the Bible. You got to do all this. But you got to remember that when John wrote this, there wasn't the Bible like we have today. It wasn't formed yet. He's writing part of it. So that would be enough of it to understand that. But there's not the whole Bible. They just had, they had pieces of it. They had the Mosaic, Mosaic law. And so when he's saying, even to the Jewish people that he's writing to, when he's saying, keep those commands, they're thinking, okay, you're going back now to the same commandments. But, but he's, he's talking a little bit deeper than this. He says, keep his commands, Jesus's commands. Follow his command. What's his command? And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, 
Okay, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Now watch this. If we keep his word, if we keep his command, love of God is truly made complete in him. Now, I just want to tie that together for a second because we're going to see what John is talking about here. The command he's talking about is this command, John 13, 34, that love one another. And John ties into this command that the love for God, because it would make sense if Jesus would have said, hey, this one command I give you, just love God. That would have made sense. I could, you know, that would be like, okay, just love God. But Jesus didn't say that. He says, this one command I give you, love one another. To which all of the spiritual people said, but Jesus, you forgot that we're supposed to love God too. And Jesus is like, no, 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 wait. If you just focus on loving one another, the love of God is going to also follow. You can't love as Jesus loved without the love of God being in there. And John basically says that. If you obey his word, what word? Love one another as I have loved you. Love for God is going to be truly made complete in them. Now, some of you... Theologians, you know, spiritual people are going, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about love of God. How do you know that? Just, let's just let's read on. Let's just see. Verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Ouch. That's, that, that's not easy. Whoever claims to live in him. Whoever claims to be Christian. Listen. We live in a society that anybody and their dog can say that they're a Christian. If you don't believe that, just watch the American election once. Yeah, I said that. Come on. Have you met a candidate yet in the U.S. election that hasn't stood up and said, I'm a Christian? They all do. <laughs> but do they live like it? Good thing we're in Canada, huh? Because <laughs> we're so much better here. Come on, anybody can say, listen, come on, residential schools, come on, who in, anybody can say they're a Christian and they're following God's commands. Come on. But it says, listen, whoever claims to be a Christian must live as Jesus did. So let's, let's put that into context. Whoever claims to be a Christian, would, they, would the residential schools have happened? No. no. Not, you're not going to do that and live as Jesus did? Come on. Okay. We're all good now? <laughs> just, just be cautious before we say we're Christians. Brag about it. That's, that verse is hard, isn't it? It's really quiet here online. Come on, I need you. Verse 7, here we go. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had from the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Okay, schizophrenic John, like what the world. I'm not writing you something new. I'm writing you something new. Okay, it's a truth seen in him. And in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now, let me break this down, because he, he does sound confusing, doesn't it? I'm not writing you a new command. You've already heard this, but I'm writing you a new command. This is, this, is what, this is what he meant. What John is saying is saying, he says, right from Genesis, right from the very beginning, right from what Moses has said, this command Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, 
Um, that one has, is right in the Mosaic law. In fact, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, love your neighbor as yourself. That was Moses that wrote that. And so, and John's saying, this is not something new. This has been there the entire time. But it is something new. And the reason why it is something new is because all of us as mankind and humankind, we have messed with it and we've began to make majors of the minors and we've minored in this major. So it sounds like it's brand new, loving one another as I have loved you because we haven't made this the main focus. So he says, this is a new command. This is the replacement. This is the new command. And then he says this, it's truth. It, what is it? It is loving one another as I have loved you. Its truth is seen in him, in Jesus. He modeled it as I have loved you and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now he goes to darkness and night. Watch what he says next. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Here's where the love part comes. He says, anyone who claims to be a Christian, to be enlightened, to be in the light, to be woke Christian... Whoever claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. And anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Now watch, I, I read this and I'm going, wait. There are times, this is convicting for me, there's times where I'm saying, I've got the revelation, I've got the understanding, our church is this, and our, our you, know, you know, congregation, we've got this, we've got this understanding, da, 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 uh, we're in the light. But listen, he says, it's not, about the, it's not about the truth you know, or the revelation that you just got, that nobody else got. He says, the true test of the light and the darkness is not being enlightened by knowledge, it's being enlightened by love. One another. Now, he's not talking about physical brothers and sisters. He's talking about the, in early church, they would always use this, you know, they, they'd always use, you know, family terms, brother, sister, father, mother, son, daughter. That, that was all throughout. So he says, if you're going to love one another, he says, you can't, you can't say you're enlightened and you can't say you walk in the light and are a Christian and got this revelation because you attend church every week. You can't say all that. And he says, it doesn't, it's not about that. It's about whether or not you love one another. And then he says, and there's nothing in them that's going to make you, them stumble. Now watch this. Nothing in them is going to make you stumble. Now it makes sense because he's talking about darkness and light. That when you're walking in the darkness, if you're walking in as pitch black, you're not going to see the obstacles right in front of you. And it's a lot easier to run into something or to stumble over something when you're in the dark. The way to avoid, you know, stumbling or the way to enlighten obstacles and be able to see them is to turn a light on or to have a flashlight or a candle or something to enlighten your steps. So what he's saying is if you're in the light, you're not going to stumble. You're going to see the obstacles and, and be able to navigate around them. But, but watch, in this whole context, what he's basically saying is that if you, think about this, if you walk in the light of loving one another, you're not going to have a sin problem. You're not going to stumble. What? Because if you look at it, if you think about it, sin, the root of all sin of missing the mark is selfishness, is it not? It's kind of the root of all sin. It's when I want it my way over your way. I want me first. Me above God, me above you. That's when we get into sin. True? It becomes about us. 
John's saying, if you love like Jesus loved, elevating everybody else above yourself, Jesus modeled that even right to the cross, model everybody else above, you know, move everybody else above yourself. If you walk like Jesus walked, you're not going to stumble. You're not going to have a sin problem because you're valuing other people. Just this one love thing is going to erase all the sin problem. You see that? Help me online. Come on. Verse 11, he says this, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Watch. Listen, darkness blinded them. He's talking about you can't see all the rest of it. They do not know where they're going. Now, I don't know about you, but how many times have you said like I've said or you have questions like I've had questions and going, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do in this situation? I wish God would lead me. I wish God would give me a clear sign. I wish God would give me direction. Anybody else like, like me say that, ask that question often? Wondering, where's God? How, where's the lead? Where, 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 like, what's my calling? What's my destiny? What am I supposed to do? What, what's What's my next step? According to John, he says, you, they, you will not know where you're going if you're in the darkness. And you'll be in the darkness if you're not loving. But if you love, you'll be in the light. And you're not only going to be able to avoid stumbling, but you're also going to be able to see way down the road. The more light you have, you're going to see way down the road and you're going to see your destination. And here's what he's saying. Your destination, your purpose, your calling, God's direction for your life is directly linked to your ability to love others. That your, your calling is not just about you. It's about loving others. Listen, this is why it's so important for us to talk about and realign our church for such a time as this in here. Because in the midst of all of COVID, I've talked with lots of pastors and lots of leaders are going, what's the future of the church? And the church looks different. It may not ever look the same. And what's the future of the church? And what's the destiny of the church? And I was like, well, I was like why are we so confused now? Our mission hasn't changed. But at the same time, I felt some of those same questions with me. Well, what does it look like? What is going on? And according to John, According to John, our future, our ability to navigate what the future looks like is, is going to be aligned with us walking in the light. And according to John, walking in the light is our directly attached to our ability to love others. And so this is why we are coming alongside. This is why we're majoring in love one another like others, you know, like Jesus has loved us is we're doing this. Because that is going to get, that is a clear path to our destiny, to our calling. It's a clear path to your destiny and your calling. John goes on, he says this in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Does this sound familiar? If you've been in this church for any length of time, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? He goes on, verse 14, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who's from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, the reason why that sounds familiar is because if you've been in this church for a long time, we have, you've seen the table and chairs and our team did a great job of getting magnets so that I don't have to draw terrible circles for you. Um, but you've seen the table and chairs and, and all the rest of it, and it's based on this one thing. See, and, uh, 10 years ago, when Jordan and I came to this church, we, we came with a mandate, and we said we're going we're gonna to kind of change the church to be church for the unchurched. And 
and be outsider focused. And, and, and I, one of the things that I promised right from the very beginning, from the very first service, is I said every single service, without exception, I'm going to provide an opportunity for people to meet Jesus. And so every single service, I close my message with an opportunity, with a prayer that gives an opportunity for people to have a relationship with Jesus. Not joining our church, not joining religion. It's, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And every single service... For the last 10 years that we've done, I've, we've closed our service with an opportunity for people to pray the prayer to, for salvation. Now, along with that, for the last, in the first year, we had 385 people turn in cards and say that they prayed the prayer for the first time and gave out Bibles. And that was the lowest number. That was the first year. After that, we averaged between 500 and 800 people per year were giving their hearts to Jesus, which is great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's, 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 that's good. But we, in study, we figured out that only 3% of the people that put their hands up, prayed a prayer, were actually following through on that decision in their relationship with Jesus and becoming disciples. And I was like, ah, that grossly dissatisfied me because Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. So we sat down as, as pastors and began discussing, going, we got to do a better job of, of disciples. And so we started asking other pastors and leaders, and, you know, how do you make a disciple? And what is a disciple? And we got 100 different answers back. And we're like, okay, wait, we should go back to the Bible. Should have done that first. But should, because if Jesus told us, if Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples, he probably laid out a plan. And we were trying to figure out what that plan was until we came across these three verses in 1 John chapter 2, where John writes to the early church. He says, I write to you little children. He wasn't writing to the children's ministry. I write to you young men. He wasn't just writing to the males in the youth group. And I write to you fathers. He just wasn't writing to the men who reproduced. He was writing, he was talking spiritually to each to each different person. Now, this is what we, we came up with, the table and chairs. And we, we, uh, we did this because we're, I'm a visual person. And so we set up, we literally actually set up physical table and chairs. And we said, okay, the table represents the family of God. And, and so, you know, John is writing to the church and he's, he's seeing these people occupying these chairs. And the first chair, we said the one detached from the table is the unchurched or those who are not yet in relationship with Jesus yet. We said, well, this is the unchurched. We call them unchurched because there's, you know, we said there's people that are de-churched or not attending church or not saved or not yet. We can't talk about their salvation, but we can call them unchurched. And we said, okay, how do we get them to move to the place of, of this chair where they get born again? Jesus said in, in John uh, chapter 3, he says, lest you be born again, you don't enter into the kingdom of, of, of heaven. So born again. This is a new birth. It's interesting that he used a birthing term when, when everything else is family as well. This is babies. That when you first pray a prayer, they're born again and confessing Jesus as God. That's Romans 10, 9, 10. Let, let's do that. That's what we do in a service. So let's be born again. So how do we get the unchurched to get born again? We talked about that. And then we said, well, this, let's write what John says is a disciple. Is, and this, is being, this chair being little children. This chair being young men. This chair being fathers. And we said, okay, how do we get the born again to become little children? What is a little child? Well, a little child is someone who's completely dependent. Our little children are completely dependent on their parents to, to feed them, to clothe them, to, to clean them up, and to, and to put them to bed, and then to clean them up again, and then again, and again. And all that, they're completely dependent. Young men, young men are independent. And John wrote, he says, you're strong. Young men are strong in the word. and The word is in you. They're strong. They, they can feed themselves. We had, you know, three teenagers, 
teenage boys in our house at the same time. And they, they fed themselves. I didn't have to feed them anymore. They just kind of took care of that themselves. I just had to make sure that the fridge was stocked. And then I write to you fathers. And what is a father? Father has dependence. And, and they're responsible for feeding others. And he said, this is a progression of of spiritual maturity, that we're either not yet saved, not yet in relationship with Jesus, or we're just babies, just, just born again, or we're little children, we're young in our faith, we're young and are dependent on others to teach us how to read the Word and others to you know, teach us how to pray, or we're young men where we can feed ourselves in the Word and we can pray ourselves, we, we can fight our own spiritual battles, or we're fathers where we're responsible for for other people in, in a maturity. And every single one of you in this room, by the way, is sitting in one of these five chairs. Spiritually, you're sitting in one of these five chairs. So we said, this is what John said, is this is, this is the progression of, of discipleship. Now watch what happened as a church. We, we define it this way. No, not us define it. We, just, we found it in the scriptures defined this way. And we started saying, well, let's, let's create this, you know, a movement. Let's, let's find a way that we can help people progress from born again to stay, to remain little children to young men, young men to fathers. Let's equip them. And guess what? In the first year, we went from 3% retention of people being born again to the first year we had 48% of the people whose hands went up that, got, that we actually went through a process of discipleship. Just, just kind of doing it Jesus' way. And we're like, interesting. So when we rebranded to Parallel Church, we thought, okay, what's our progression now? What's our system now? And we're like, well, the, we're not changing the Bible. So we're doing it. Now watch. This is, what, this is what just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I read 1 John 2 again in, in light of Parallel Church, and I was like, it's interesting that John writes in the context of, of what I just read in 1 John 2, in the context of doubling down on Jesus' command to love one another. In that context, he writes, I write to you little children, I write to you young men, I write to you fathers. In that context. And I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, this is interesting. And what John is saying in 1 John 2 is he says, it doesn't matter your spiritual maturity. This love like Jesus loved, that's not just for the babies. That's not just for the little children. That's for you young men. That's for you fathers. Every single one, whatever stage of discipleship you're in, that, that command, love one another as I have loved you, that's the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Now, quickly, now, we're going to do this a little bit different in, in Parallel Church. And what we decided to do is we start, just instead of changing or doing anything, we could just double down on it. And so what we're doing is we said, okay, how do we more effectively reach the unchurched? How do we go? To, and if, parallel, if we're Parallel Church, we're not going to ask people to, and, and minister to people who are only come inside these doors. How do we go to them? How, instead of dragging them here, how do we go to them? And so we looked at this and said, okay, we have something already. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this, My City Care. No. Yes, we have. My City Care. And we thought, 
my city care is, is responsibility is to be in the community, to reach the community and all the rest of it. And we thought we're gonna, what we're going to do as Parallel Church is we're going to lead with my city care in everything. Is that we're going we're gonna to plant my city cares before we ever plant churches, by the way. And we're, gonna, and we're doing it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to minister and we're going to show love and we're going to express love according to what, what Paul says in Galatians 5 or 6 is that the only faith that counts is the one that expresses itself through love. So we're going to do this. And so my city cares vision is going to be to love and to endear the community. Is just their job is to endear the community and to, and to go and not just wait for people to come to us, but to go to people and minister to them where they're at. So we're going to do that. And then we thought, okay, well, how do we, the born again, how do we, how do we minister to this crowd? So the, how do we get people born again? And still, the best way to this day is our, is our weekend services, right? Is, is every single weekend we provide an opportunity to get saved. And it's even throughout COVID, every single week, people are getting born again. And we're like, okay, this is our weekend church services. And that, the, the purpose of our Sunday services is going to be, is, is, you know, that's our service programming, is going to be to inspire our audience. Inspire them what? Inspire our audience to meet Jesus and also inspire our audience who already knows Jesus to feel comfortable enough to invite people to meet Jesus. So we want to do church in such a way and continue to do church in such a way where you feel comfortable to invite your unchurched friends to church, your family, whatever it might be. If they come here, they're going to, you know they're going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. That's our weekend services. Our little children, we thought, okay, well, let's, what are we going to do here? And we discovered... Over the course of the, uh, the number, last number of years of, of doing ministry, that when we get babies, when we get people born again, that people come in and they don't all come in all cleaned up and nice and tidy and good little Christians. That's a fallacy, by the way. There's none of us good little Christians. This is right. The church is messy, and that the people come in with messy marriages and messy mental health and messy just life in general. And that's not a put down. That's just, that's just the reality of the society we live in. All of us, let's just be honest. We know perfect people. We're all messy. Right? So we thought, well, in order to take care of our little children is that we, we need to help feed them, clean them up, all the rest of it. So we're starting a whole ministry and we've, we've started it. It's going called Parallel Care. And Parallel Care is we're providing counseling services. And Pastor Ralph and Cindy are leading this and, and they're doing a phenomenal job. And we have a vision of, of providing counseling services for marriage counseling, relationship like counseling, uh, personal, one-on-one counseling. Somebody, you need a counselor? We're, we're going to provide that. We're gonna, and they're training. They're writing courses to train others to how to counsel. We're going to provide other courses. And the purpose of, of Parallel Care is going to be to love and to care for all. Then our young men were like, okay, what is, what is the young men thing? We're like, we're, we're, we're going to call it Parallel Connect. And Parallel Connect is simply, this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, is, is basically our house parties. Because here's one thing I've noticed. Anybody notice this? Um, if you see young people that have no ability to socially interact with another human being other than on the other side of a screen, anybody ever notice? It's not just young people, come on. That we get increasingly, you know, socially awkward because we're just, we, we just don't connect with one another. And COVID's doubled down on that whole thing. And so we're like, well, let's, let's train, let's equip our young people, our, our spiritually young as well, to connect with one another. It's in relationship. Let's create community. And that's what we want to do with Parallel Connect. So the house parties, if you're not part of a house party, get there. 
And, and the purpose of the house parties and, the, and connect is to build authentic relationships. And then when our fathers, we, we looked at this one, we're like, okay, what are we going to do with this one? And this is where we've, we're creating right now a whole another uh, ministry, and we're calling it Parallel Leaders. We've already done lots of podcasts, and we've already done lots of leadership training. We do staff meetings and all, all the rest of it, and our staff, anyone who's been a part of it, they, they rave about it, and they talk about, you know, how this has helped them, and they've grown as leaders, and, and people were like, okay, let's take all of that, what we're doing, and let's take this to the, let's take this, let's broaden it and reach more people. So we're going to train and equip our core, but we're also going to train and equip our community. So imagine this now. We go as parallel network or parallel churches, whatever. If we go into a city, we go into a city with My City Care. And if there's a church that's already doing weekend services that is leading people to Jesus, we partner with that church, just like we did in Medicine Hat with Bridge, Bridge Church in Medicine Hat. They do it, we partner and come alongside. If in that community there's no church that's getting people born again, then we start one. Okay. And then in the same community, then in the same community, we provide a counseling center. And we provide, so the people that we're ministering, we, we got a counseling center. And, and we're training and equipping counselors to do all that. We're going to be doing that. We have a counseling center. And then we have, a, we have connects and house parties and all the rest of it. And then imagine in the same city, because in Lethbridge, we have a My City Care office. It's on Mayor McGrath, just on the other side of the, the highway under the tower there. If you see that My City Care office there, we've got that. And we hand out food and clothes and all the rest of it, minister to all that kind of thing. We run a, a counseling office out of there already but imagine this is that we do this in every city and we have you know church but we also have a pair out of the my city care office we have a leadership lunch and learns and leadership training center so somebody comes in and they get clothes or they get food because they're poor but all of a sudden now they get counseling and whatever situation is but they can also get trained and equipped to be leaders and to get a job and to elevate their positions at their at their workplace or to you know expand their business we can provide all that all this this is what this is making a disciple. So this is what parallel is all about. All of what we've talked about the last number of weeks, how are we going to do this? How are we going to love like Jesus loved? Jesus did all of this. He fed the hungry. He preached to them. He provided one-on-one -on -one care for them. He networked and partied. He trained and equipped. He did all of that. That's how he loved. That's how John taught the early church to love. That's how we're going to love. And our vision, our vision statement is this. Our vision is to be a movement. Okay, and the movement is the arrows going, we're going to move people from here in this chair. We're going to hopefully in this service, we're going to provide an opportunity for you to jump chairs right now. Boom, you can come in here and become born again. Just, just easy. I'll show you in a moment. And, and then once you're here, there's like, man, we can provide, we can provide care, we can do all the rest of it, we can move you here, just come back, that's it. And then connect and all the rest of it, we want to create a movement. We are a movement of local focused. That doesn't mean it's just Lethbridge focused, that means that we're going to have, we have My City Cares in Claire's home, in Tabor, in Okotoks, in Lloydminster, we now have it in Swift Current, we now have it in Penticton, we now have it in Calgary, where, where else did I miss one? Medicine Hat, there we go. We get like, and, and we're expanding. There's, and there's about 10 more coming. Local focused, soul winning churches committed to reaching, this is this part, reaching and endearing our communities, inspiring 
and connecting our audience and then equipping and releasing our core to love and impact the world. We are Parallel Church. And you have a part to play. All of you. Let's, this is our time for such a time as this. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for setting the example for us and, Holy, and, and sending us the Holy Spirit to help because we need help to major in this. And God, we commit ourselves to your lead, to following your lead, to reaching and impacting, loving and impacting our communities. Holy Spirit, help each one of us to love as you love, to help us to see opportunities every single day. God, of opportunities to love and impact a life. Quicken to our spirits of what to do. Give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I wanted to run with you uh, through with you right now a prayer that does just that. So if you want, close your eyes, bow your heads, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, to become my Savior, to become my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I can begin anew with you today. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. There's a link that's been posted in the chats uh, below. Uh, click on that link, fill out that form. We'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to just chat with you, congratulate you, uh, and just be a part of your journey here uh, on an amazing decision.